moving over to the NRL in a weird week. Bernard was giving me 2021 vibes. Shellacking all over the place. It felt like last year's comp, and I wasn't a fan of last year's comp. Bernard, I'm going to excuse the Brisbane Broncos. I'm going to just say Melbourne Storm had a day out, and maybe they watched my TikTok where I put the pencil through them because they are looking really, really good. I'm firing it right at the right time. But you know, it gives me like Craig Bellamy came out initially when they were getting bashed three, four weeks on the trot, and he said, "I don't know if we can come back from this." You know, I don't know if we can come. Do you think that's just a ploy from a coach? Do you reckon he was doing a bit of a Jose Mourinho, the mind game? Playing the media and just saying, just managing expectations. Is that Craig Bellamy? I think so. Because I, just that Melbourne team on paper, when you look because, at their pack, yeah. even just having Munster in there and Jerome Hughes firing, they, they could always turn it around. And I don't know why anyone even thought to write them off. Yes, they had a few weeks, but you have to think they've been injury ridden. They've had t- players that have been suspended. In and out of the side, chopping and changing. Their outside backs have been changing a lot. Now it seems like they're getting into a rhythm. Addition of Nofaluma in there has been great because now they've got they've built Meany at one, and they've built some str- like you know a, a solid spine with Pappenhausen being out. So I think they're firing at the right time, and they're going to be a handful for a full strength Penrith and teams like Parramatta, you know, yeah. and the Cowboys. I well, think. they made idiots like me eat our words, mm-hmm. but you know what impressed me more? Like that win was ridiculous. But that win against Penrith impressed me even more because they just showed like they aimed up. We're Melbourne. We grind results out and come finals. Those are going to be the type of games you're going to play in. Well, it was actually Co- Cooper Johns came out and said that the difference is it's they play a grind version of footy Penrith even at full strength. They just try and grind you, make you make errors, and the the way that they're going to win it, and this probably comes down to the grand final or major semi, is just up front in the forwards. Yeah. Which which forward pack's going to lead the team to victory for the backs to play off? That, that's yeah. what it's going to come And then to. it's a money monster moment of brilliance. Harry Grant, they've still got the cheese. But you're right. I, I mean, bashings across the board oh. in the NRL. It wasn't just Brisbane. It was... Everywhere. The dogs. The Bulldogs getting dogs. 72 to 6, the Tigers. It was really bad, Bernard. And it made me think, is this a one-off? Or is this further proof that... There's not enough quality to for 16 teams. And we are about to go to 17. 100% we don't have enough quality. There's way too much discrepancy between... The top and the bottom. The top and the bottom. And everyone's been saying it all season. Teams like the Roosters, Penrith, Melbourne. And it seems to be everyone else. Because you could also see teams like the Cowboys and Brisbane who don't have the strongest teams on paper losing by big margins. Sometimes they have good showings. I mean... Brisbane kind of just got found out. Yeah. As you know, you're 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 not anywhere near the top two, top two, three teams. So, it for a team like the Dolphins to come in and then also wanting to expand even further, oh, where are you gonna get? Where are you gonna get quality players from? Where are you gonna get quality halves and and forwards that are playing the game that that you can even up the talent? How are you gonna evenly disperse talent across across the NRL? You can't do it, and you're gonna you're gonna be going through. More seventy to two six beltings. Look at the score lines sure. in England. Did you see uh, Blake Ferguson's <laughs> yeah. team? I've never seen a rugby league team reach a hundred. I've seen it in rugby union. We know what we think of that sport, but a <laughs> hundred in rugby league—that is disgusting. To for a first. How do you score a hundred points? Is that in an eighty-minute game? I think once you reach seventy points, just call the game off. Because <laughs> mercy, it, like, you know, no, seriously, because you're risking player injury. Like, like 
it got to a point where the Tigers players just didn't want to be out I don't there. blame James Tarmouth for that spray. I wouldn't want to be there either. Nah, and I just feel sorry for him because that might be his last, last game. His last game. I but, know. I mean, not, that's a terrible way to go out and you feel sorry for the big guy. 72 to 6. Yeah, I, I think the, the bashings are indicative of, of, a, of a poor competition. And, it, and it's on the NRL front office to start trying to evenly disperse the talent. The AFL do it in the form of a draft. And yes, you see the top teams in the AFL always kind of being consistent, but you also see some some bottom teams starting yeah. to surge up the got, ladder. They've over got the such years. a pool of talent. To they've got Western Australia, and there's a lot of players. All of in South AFL. Australia, Victoria, like they they grab players from the whole country. Let's be honest, we grab the players mostly from the east, New South Wales and Queensland. Majority of them come from New Zealand. We're not getting as many players like we used to. Maybe that's because. The Warriors it aren't as competitive as they used to be. Like if the Warriors were winning, maybe you'd see more. I think it comes down to honestly less people playing the game. I think so. At honestly, grassroots, yeah. it's too as many as kids that. playing Fortnite on on your streams, scrolling through TikTok. I mean, when I grew up, all I want to do is play footy on the weekend. Yeah, from seven years Even old. Even when you weren't playing all footy, the way you were to nineteen. Footy. All, you, all you wanted to do was just train, play footy on the weekend. Play you were touch nervous footy about the game on, on the, the weekend. My youngest brother nowadays. Nah, just wants to go out, wants to go Argyle, wants to go Ivy. Just wants to, you know, yeah. let the boys play. Well, that's excusable when you're 18, 19. 18, 19, oh, 100%. But even just growing up, it was just like things are different. They just want to be on PlayStation. They want to be doing different things. They want to be watching what's next on Netflix. You know, there's they want to be scrolling through social media, getting invited to whatever. It's just like there's not enough people playing the game. No. I think it's not going to come full circle until... Maybe we start putting our kids through junior sports and then you'll see a, an uptick in, in, in junior participation because there's not enough people playing in grassroots and maybe you could say there's parents that think there's a safety concern or whatever it be. But then because of that, there's not enough people progressing through development yeah, pathways. No, and, and, that, and that's showing. There's not enough quality sevens. There's not enough quality players getting passed through different teams. And I think they're getting... We're also getting a bit too PC as... like. Now, for you know, when they always like talk about that, there'll be some photo of this kid. It always happens. You get one every year of an eight-year-old that looks fifteen mm -hmm. playing in under eights, and then they'll be like, "Oh, oh, we need we need to do it by weight, and this is unsafe." And that turns people off. So you're right. It's like we can't get kids to play. Then we have this image problem where like this game is extremely unsafe, and you can't get kids pl playing the game anymore. And they yeah. want to start overcomplicating it and putting eight-year-olds, oh, do it by weight and all this rubbish. Like, If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, how, it is. I, how it was when our parents played. There's always been big kids, Bernard. Exactly right. And and it's a, it's a lesson for kids. Around the it? legs. You tackle him around. They can't run can't, without, their, can't legs, without their legs. It's but don't hip drop, kids. Don't hip drop tackle. No, nah, no, nah, we don't want that. <laughs> but no, I, it's, I, I think sport is the best way to teach kids discipline for one. And also resilience. There's no more resilience anymore. Oh, this kid's too big. Put him in an oh. put him in a weight class above. Oh, you us. lost. Or oh, you came four. He's a participation medal. We're not going to have yeah. grand finals anymore. No winners and losers. No, and, and I'm telling you, it will come full circle, but not anytime soon. I think it's when probably our generation starts having kids and starts pushing grassroots sure. even. And further. this is coming from someone that used to lose at everything. Losing is good. <laughs> okay, there's no such thing as everybody's a winner. This is another issue, Bernard, that it seems to be becoming more and more prevalent, mm -hmm. and it, it cooks me. A couple players were on the receiving end of it. It's fans abusing players. Yep. Obviously, it's impossible to police on stuff like 
comments on a post. Like, you know, it happens in every, every sport club all around the world. Your team loses, you'll get someone go, oh, this player's rubbish, blah, blah, blah. But fans that message players mm-hmm. because they lost the multi or they, they stuffed up their super coach or, for example, Jackson Paulo. I know a kid who's a South fan and he posted a story of Jackson Paulo ripping into him saying, oh, this guy's shit and he tagged him. If you do that stuff, honestly, you are a fucking idiot. It's as yeah. simple as that. It's pretty low. I mean, at the end of the day, the players are human beings as well. And I, I'm sure people know when they've had a bad game or when they've stuffed For up sure their team. For sure they do. But at, at the end of the day, too, I don't, I'll play devil's advocate. The players know the arena that they're stepping in. And it's death threats, all that, that's unnecessary, yeah. 100%. But it comes with the territory of being a first grader. And... You, if you have social media, you can also turn it off. You can shut it out. There was a lot of players that came out in support of B- Paulo yep. and, and saying, you know, we, we stand with him. This is disgraceful. And 100%. People storing, tagging him, lost your multi. No one cares about your multi. You know, but it, it's more so the, the, the player's copping it enough. And everyone's big on mental health nowadays. And you're kind of just kicking a player while he's down. I think as a player, you've got to be willing to cop the comments, like you said, the ones that you're going to get For sure. uh, from, from diehard supporters, people at the ground, people are, members are paying tickets to, That's fine. Pay, I mean, paying their membership. Of course, and they're entitled to, their to an opinion. opinion. Yep. Boo a player if they don't like how That's he's performing. Fine. People in Brisbane were booing Payne Haas with how, you know, they thought he was going to exit Penra, uh, sorry, Brisbane, or, uh, you know, they weren't very happy at Parramatta with Brad Arthur's son. Yeah. You, you can't be policing a fan base on how they no. feel about their club. But in saying that, there's a line, don't go overboard, For particularly sure. on social media. I don't think we should be instituting things that people have called upon, like we need a social identity on social media and everyone needs 10 points of ID to have an account on everything. Let's not take it too far. The I think players, players have to acknowledge that it comes with the arena, being in the arena, and you're going to have to cop criticism for bad performances. But then there's also, okay, when it comes to death threats and, you know, threats, anything is of that nature, there needs to be a line in the sand. And, and maybe authorities get involved. But players need to smarten up and say, look, you know, I'll own it, bad game. And if it's getting too heavy, turn off social media. I, I agree that's with you. Brad, Brad Fittler came out and said, like, that's a big thing. If, you, if it's getting to you that much... You have the ability to turn yeah, off your social. You know what? The problem is with these old heads like Fittler and stuff is they weren't around during this time. So it's easy for them to just go, oh, maybe just switch it off. Th- that's not going to happen. Mm. We've gr- You and I, Jackson Paul, I'm assuming he's younger than us. Mm. They've grown up with it. From t- 11, you've been on Facebook. Then it was Instagram. So it's just, of course, Brad Fittler, there was no social media back then. Yeah. So it's easy. Yeah, just switch off, mate. It's easy. Imagine there was, though. Jesus. Exactly. So, of course, there's certain, there's certain stuff that comes with it, like, you know, newspaper articles, comments and stuff. But I think... If you're if you call yourself a fan and you're in, and you're inboxing someone because you know you lost your multi, well, there's a simple solution for that. Just don't bet, exactly or you know, right. keep your abuse for yelling at them on the TV. We've all done that before. But what's it going to take, man? Because it will happen. Knock on wood. Is that something really bad will happen? Yeah, because no, you know point. you're pissed off as a fan. You message him. Oh, you're a spastic. You but cost what, me my I game. I mean, it's it's rocking a hard place for the NRL because how much gambling sponsorship is in the game? Yeah, for sure. For one. And secondly, Australia as a whole is one of the highest per capita gambling countries in the yeah. world. So it's prevalent everywhere. You're always going to get it. It's just about drawing a line where this is a line, this is too far. And I think that comes when it's death yeah. threats and threats sure. towards yeah. the players. But if it's comments and people 
actually displeased with player performances and that's just a fan voicing their opinion in a public in a For public sure, if arena. it's a forum or comments you know what I mean? like that. No, I think we're both on the greens on that. It's time, Bernard, for the starters. We've been tossing around a few names all season. This yeah. guy's the best. That guy's the best. I reckon I've called about three different people the best player in the game. So <laughs> it's time to just settle this, Bernard. Going gonna, into the finals. Going into the finals now. We're at the business end. Mm-hmm. The pretenders are gone. It's all about the contenders. Let's bring back our top five. The starters is back for another week. Top five best players in the NRL at the moment. Kick it off with number five, Ben. Number five has to be the man who's currently leading Dalian, Ben Hunt. He has been Dragon's best player. Can pull a 40-20 out of his ass. He is he, he's actually redeemed himself as a player since Brisbane. He had a great origin series. He's been one of the best halves in the comp. He's number five for me. Put some respect on Ben Hunt's name. And I'll tell you another player you can put respect on his name. Trell Mitt, that is it. Yeah. 100%. He's not number one on our list, but I'll tell you what, he's the most influential player. For any team in the comp. And what I mean by that is when he's not in that team, South look like a wooden spoon contender. When he's in there, they look like a premiership contender. Trell Mitt, he's the most unique player. No one else plays like him. He's unstoppable when he's on. He's number four. 100% agree with that. Number three for me, Nathan Cleary. He's been off. He has been a little He bit. has been off lately with the, obviously, spear tackle. But I think one of the most consistent sevens in the comp. Highest paid Pen, uh, Penrith player. For me... He's just what you want every halfback to be. He's a blueprint of a young half coming up. And he's proven to be the best seven. Will probably be an Australian seven this year. New South Wales origin seven for a reason. He is number three for me this year. Could have been up there. For sure. But just with his time off this season. Yeah. And a little bit of, you know, second first game in, in origin. I, I'd, I'd put him number and three. And he had a bit of a dip post-origin mm-hmm. as well, even before the suspension. This guy coming in at number two, you could go... One or two of these guys, either or, it would have been good. But I'm going to go James Tedesco at number two. Since he's come to the Roosters, he's probably been the most consistent player in the comp. And it's just... He's, he's always on. Always on. Everything he does, he's super consistent. Captain of New South Wales. Steering the Roosters, who look like they're peaking at the right time this year. He's just missed the consistency, and he is number two. Number one, we both agree on... Cameron Munster. What a player. Can play anywhere in the back line. Melbourne's best player. He'll be the highest paid player in the NRL. He's due for a he big payday. It. He'll probably be headed to the Dolphins. But Cameron Munster, just his skill. He can make something happen from nothing. One-on-one strips. Can can really do anything. Kicking game, unbelievable. Can sum up anything. Again, play one, play six. He's a freak. Uh, he's, he's the best player in the comp. Dolphins, show him the money. <laughs> I like that top five. So to wrap it up, we had Ben Hunt, who probably win the Dalian mm-hmm. at five. Chell Mitt, Nathan Cleary, dipped a little bit. Teddy and Munster. If you had any of those guys at number one, I wouldn't argue with you, Ben Hunt. Tune in for part three of the B-Team podcast tomorrow. <laughs>